It's War Week at Revival Tabernacle. Thank you for joining us as we lead youth from all over the country in a week-long experience of missions and service. Highland Park in Detroit, Michigan are being blessed right now by the work of our youth with their hearts and their hands. Every morning and evening, our pastors and guest speakers are challenging them with the Word of God, inviting them to take steps towards spiritual growth and to put faith into action. Buenos dias. Friday. I said Friday. You made it. No, you made it. <laughs> and you're awake. But you're asleep. And uh, it's really special for me to be here this morning. And uh, I think that... Uh, I think it's important to remember how crucial Friday is here at War Week. And that 80%, 80% of all mountain climbing accidents are on the descent. <laughs> 80% of all mountain climbing accidents are on the descent, meaning they've reached the peak and they've come down. And sometimes I think that we can miss the beauty of what God is doing simply because we're already maybe in a come down attitude, in a come down phase, in a, what time are we gonna get back home tonight or tomorrow morning? And so I believe that God has something so specific for each of you on this crazy Friday morning. Again, my, my name is JC. This is my beautiful wife, Christina. Would you stand up, Christina? Everybody say hi to my wife, Christina. And we are so, so honored to be here. I want you to stand up just one more time. One more time. Tired people, teenagers. Any, how many of you are in middle school here? Middle schoolers. Middle school? Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade? How about, how about freshmen? How many freshmen are in the house? See how quiet they are? They're like, yeah. Uh, sophomores? Sophomores? Okay. Toughest year in high school, I believe. I youth pastored for 15 years. Toughest year of high school, I think. You get through sophomore year. How many loud and proud juniors are in the room? <laughs> Junior year rocks. And how many seniors with senioritis are in the room? Well, it's, it's, it's hard to say because you're going to be seniors, right? You're going to be seniors. Uh, college? Is there any college students in the crowd? <laughs> great. Great, great. One of the things that's so special to me is that, um, is to see so many teenagers in the room. You're, you're a very peculiar generation to me. It seems to me that, um, and no, no offense, uh, don't trip on this, but that this teenage generation, you're, you're such a question mark to me. Uh, Everybody's been talking millennials, 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 but there's something really special, I think, brewing um, among the teenagers in America right now. And maybe there's an element of lostness that while the millennials have absorbed so much attention and college students have absorbed so much attention and 20-somethings, that, that there's a quiet remnant of teenagers that God is raising up 
around us and, 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 and you're kind of quiet and you're kind of in the background. But listen, God does amazing things with people in the quiet and in the background. And I believe that you're part of something that's phenomenal, that's coming in the years. And, and God is doing something to shape you right now. And if you just receive that, I want you to raise your hands as high as you can. Raise them up, like both hands. Raise them up. Tired hands. Raise them up. Close your eyes right now. And I want you to just begin to say, Holy Spirit, come speak to my life. Come speak to my heart this morning. Come and move in my character. Come and move in my life. Father, in Jesus' name, I welcome you. I love you, my friend. Would you help me preach your word today? Thank you for being my friend this morning, Lord. And Lord, you love them. And you have plans for them. You have plans to glorify your name on the earth through this quiet yet potent generation, Lord. And Lord, they don't even realize that while they're in the back tending sheep, singing songs under a tree, you have plans to put them in the palace. You have plans to make them a, a powerful, powerful people. So God, I, I take this as a, as a huge honor and I take this as a huge responsibility that you would let me speak into their lives today and also into the future of what is War Week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you can have a seat. Everyone here is either that friend at some point or another who is either being pushed by a friend or is pushing another friend. There's moments and scenarios in everyone's life where you're either the one who's pushing or the one who's being pushed. Are there any people here who just, you get around people and, 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 and it's just like you're, you're going to push them to the max. You're the one that's always last to go to sleep at retreat, at camp, at war week. It's like you, you want to turn up till like 3 a.m. and everybody's, all, you're, you're hearing everybody snoring. You're still up. Where are the people that just push to the next level? You're all, let me see the next level people. You're, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't go to the party. You are the party. And uh, you're a walking holiday. And um, raise the hand, raise your hand if you're the people who, who tend to be pushed to that level. Let's see, it's like, it's like man, I'm, I'm the one that, that tends to be pushed. Raise your hand if at some point you've been the one that's, that's pushed at some point or another. Maybe not right now, but you've been the one that's, that's pushed other people to another level. I guess it depends on the context because uh, there, was, there was a time when I was a bit healthier and, and I, I really loved running. I would run and run and run and I got really addicted into running and I would take my wife out running every now and then and she hated me when she, we would run because I would tell her, hey, why don't we go, let's just go two, three miles and it ended up being six miles and, and she hated me for it and, and I tended to do that to that and my friends, I was always pushing but there was one day when I got pushed and I was working at a church and uh, I had a senior pastor who was about 55, but he was a crazy senior pastor. And we went out into, uh, to go white water rafting. And then there was a section where after we were white water rafting where we went to a top of a cliff and there was a 30 foot jump. And the guy that was with us said, hey, why don't you just take a leap and jump right into the river? Now, mind you, the river is called the Killer Kern in California. It's notoriously 
It's notorious for, for, for being a river that many people drown in. So first of all, you're asking me to jump 30 feet off of a rock into a river called the Killer Kern. And um, are you going to take the jump? I'm like, uh, I don't know. And so I was excited to psych myself out. And I came to the edge. And then I would be like, oh, uh, let me think about this one more time. And I did that about three or four times until finally, out of the blue, I just see this big senior pastor at that time, just a big, big 55-year-old man. And I just see this huge shadow go by me. And he's like, whoa. And he's like all the way down into the water. And, and it eventually pushed me. I said, if this old man can do it, why can't I do it when I'm so young and so full of strength and it was at that moment when I was challenged and so I just took the leap of faith and I jumped and I went deep into the water and felt like I was never gonna come up we are always in a circumstance where either we are needing to be pushed or where we are pushing others and I believe that Jesus is constantly that friend that's pushing us to that next level. He's always going somewhere. Jesus never stops. He's always moving. And it's a dangerous thing to become a friend of Jesus because he's always pushing to the next level. He's the ultimate coach. He's the ultimate physical trainer. He's the ultimate disciple maker. Jesus is always calling his kids and he's saying, I know that it's Friday morning, but you have no idea what I have in store for you. I have saved the best for last if you would be awake if you would be open if you would be if you would just have faith and know that I still have something to accomplish today if I have something accomplished today I'm going to take you to a, a verse in the Bible this morning and this is when Jesus began to make friends and call friends into his ministry and it's in Luke chapter 5 verse 1 through 7 it says, one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and, and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Somebody say deeper. Go out where it is deeper. And let down your nets to catch some fish. And this might sound like you this morning. I'm not sure what's on your agenda. I'm not sure what you're about to accomplish today. I'm not sure what War Week has asked of you on this Friday, but maybe you sound like Simon Peter. And Simon Peter said, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Maybe you had these expectations of what War Week was going to be. Maybe this is the first time that, especially if you're a freshman, that, that mom or dad 
signed that waiver and said, you can get on that bus and you can go all the way to Detroit, Michigan, and you can serve here in Highland Park and, and, and you can adopt a block or whatever it is that you've done this week, street cleanups or working with children, whatever it is that you've done. And you haven't yet caught a thing. You've been waiting to catch a thing. You've been waiting to catch an experience. You've been waiting to catch a, a, a moment of evangelism. You've been wanting, you were desiring to bring somebody to Jesus. And it's Friday morning and it's almost over. And maybe the only thing you caught this week was a cold. And you were waiting with expectation. And I'm like, I need to, I haven't caught a thing, but it's Friday morning, Jesus. You're asking me to go deeper. You're asking me to go farther. You're asking me for Friday morning. Really, Jesus? I'm tired because I've been here all night. I slept in that gym. It was cold. It was hard. I heard people make noises through the night that I didn't think were humanly possible. And I yet... I'm yet to have caught a thing. But Jesus said, let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time, somebody say this time. See, Jesus is calling us to a this time mentality. Not that time or not the maybe in the future, but in the present moment of this time. You know that faith is, is, faith is always about unseen things and faith is always about future things. But faith is only applicable in the this time. It's only applicable in the right now. And, and faith is unshakable. Faith is, is, is the substance of things that are hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things that are unseen. Faith is what wakes us up in the morning and says, I serve a God who's saying, JC, today, this time, I'm about to do something that you've never, ever experienced before. If you would have a spirit of expectation, if you would know that the unthinkable and the impossible is at your grasp, if you would just listen to my voice and if you have an if you say so attitude you don't have to feel right to have an if you say so attitude you don't have to be completely and perfectly energetic and and put on the front that everybody that you think everybody wants to see you just have to have an if you say so a yes lord attitude and for jesus to say this time i'm about to do something that you've never experienced before You've been trying to catch something all week. Don't be discouraged. And this time their nets were so full of fish that the nets began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. See, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus just loves to, he loves to start trouble. He loves to cause problems. He, he's the one that when he begins to bring blessing and he begins to bring new things into your life, 
The thing you are always praying for, when you really begin to catch the thing that God is doing, it just begins to birth a whole new set of complexities. We need each other in the process of that insanity of what God is doing in our midst. So while you've toiled all week, while you've toiled all night, so to speak, today Jesus is saying, can you go just a little further? Can you go just a little further? uh, Peter had not caught anything all night. But Jesus was really Peter's answer to prayer. And I need you to understand today that you are the answer to somebody's prayer today. You are the answer to someone's prayer today. You, the quiet generation. I'm so excited to see what becomes of the teenagers of today. While millennials have been in the limelight, I'm curious of what's about to happen with this generation. And I dare you to believe, though you may feel overlooked, I dare you to believe, though you feel as if you haven't caught anything, I dare you to believe that you are the answer to someone's prayer. Someone has been praying for something and you are God's divine provision to that prayer. Some of you have been ordained by God to plant a seed and others of you are ordained by God to reap it even today. You are the answer to someone's prayer. Many years ago, my father was an alcoholic. He became an alcoholic at the age of 13 to the age of 33. And eventually met my mother. I was born. And we had a very dysfunctional and broken family. I moved around different cities in California throughout my entire childhood. They eventually separated and um, they eventually separated and, and, and my dad was so into partying and so into drinking that he loved that more than he loved my mom and I. My mother fell into depression and right around that season, my grandmother had an experience with Christ. She met the living Jesus, the real Jesus, not a religious Jesus, not just religion. She had met Jesus for herself. And eventually my mother came to Jesus through my grandmother and I came to Jesus through my mother in the midst of that mess. And I thought, I just, I'm not ever going to have a dad again, but it's just me and my mom and my mom can't sing worth a lick. And yet she would start teaching me these songs from church and just in such an out-of-tune voice, she would put me to bed and we'd be singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No more depression. No more of that. I'm more in love with Jesus than I'm in love with the man who I used to be married to or or living with even. And and now I have met this Jesus. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is the one who, who I live for and walk with. And he's the joy and the passion of my life. But there came a point where my mother began to hear from the Lord in her prayer. She began to say, God, what am I to do next? And the Lord, long story short, gave her a green light and said, if Ray calls you, my father's name is Ray. If Ray calls you, he says, is a, you, you make amends with him and you follow him wherever he needs to go. And what ended up happening today, we passed her in a city called Delano. And my wife and I have, have, have moved a little bit here and there, and we're back to the place where God did an incredible miracle. So my mom fell in love with Jesus. I knew Jesus, but we got back, and they began, we began to live together as a family again, but Dad was still a mess. Dad was a man who was full of anger. He was a man who was always looking to pick a fight. He was a man who at some, some weeks, he just went on these stints where it was two 12-packs a day. I mean, it's like 24 beers in one day, really. Like, he's, he's just constantly finding his own peace through alcohol. But what made it most difficult is that he hated the gospel. He hated anything that had to do with Jesus. You couldn't talk to him about Jesus without him becoming irate and and just giving some pushback and maybe even a little bit of mockery. And we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and the situation gets worse and worse and worse. We move into a small apartment where... Because it was the hometown where he grew up. All of his cousins who used to party, because everybody's got crazy cousins, right? Anybody got crazy cousins? And he had a set of crazy cousins. And they would come over and his friends and they'd party. And yet here's mom and I trying to serve Jesus and yet feeling like prisoners inside of our own home. And it just so happened that one night, my mom didn't know what to do anymore. And dad's in the, dad's in the living room. And they're, they're just smoking weed, they're, 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 they're drinking, they're cussing like, like nobody's business. And I'm just a little boy, mom says, why don't you come in here? And we go into the room, and, and there was no light in the room except the moonlight coming through the mini blinds of, 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 that, of that bedroom of my mom and dad's, while dad is in the living room completely drunk out of his mind with his friends. And she begins to tear up, and she begins to, I begin to hear her saying, Jesus, you called us to this. But I don't know if I can take anymore. I don't know how much more of this I can take. You see, it was at that point where Jesus had called us to go deeper. It was at that point where Jesus had called us to go beyond. We had toiled all night. We had come to the end of ourselves. There was absolutely no way. We had no hope. It was we hadn't caught a thing. You ever have that feeling like you haven't caught a thing like I was saying earlier? Maybe it's more you haven't caught a thing this week at War Week, but maybe you've been trying to catch a thing for the last year. Maybe you thought you were going to catch a thing this junior year. Maybe you think you're going to catch a thing your senior year. Maybe you were going to catch a thing through this relationship and it left you shattered and it left you broken. Or maybe you thought it was going to be this and that God was going to do that and still you feel like you haven't caught a thing. But that's the, that's what I'm trying to let you know this morning, that God has a way of taking us to the breaking point. Because at the point of breaking is the point of breakthrough. That's the point of breakthrough at the point where where you feel like you're breaking. I don't understand why God works that way. 
A great man of God named A.W. Tozer once said, God can barely use a man until, God will rarely use a man until he has injured him. Why would God break us like that? Why would God wait for Peter to work all night for him to go out and reap something that he'd been desiring the entire week? And we're in the bedroom saying, Lord, we don't know what we're going to do. She holds my hand. I was my mom's prayer partner. And it just seemed like she had made the decision to live in hell. But little did we know that that prayer began to move heaven and earth. Somebody was high enough to have the brilliant idea to change the television to a preacher. So they're partying, they're smoking, they're, 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 they're high as could be, and they decide to put the television on a preacher. You got to be pretty high to do that. It's probably around midnight. My dad who had rejected the gospel, my dad who we had been praying for, my dad who seemed like a hopeless situation. He's kind of leaning back near the bar where the kitchen is at. Somebody puts the TV on and he's, he's got his, his can of beer. And there's a TV preacher on the screen. And he says, hey, you, you with the beer in your hand. Don't you know that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? And while me and mom are on the other side of the wall, God is breaking through the ceiling and shattering a hardened heart. And he sensed an impression in his spirit saying, that's enough. I'm going to use you. He took what was left in the beer and he dumped it in the, uh, in the sink. And he tells his boys, party's over. You got to go. The next morning, I think it was like my first day of kindergarten, and all I had known was instability in my childhood. Central California, down to the border of Mexico and California. I was born in San Diego, and it was just zigzagging throughout the state of California. I heard my dad say something in a way that I had never heard him speak to me before because he had let me down so many times when my family was separated. Said he was going to come visit on Friday. He wouldn't come that weekend. He'd come the next weekend, and that, that was a terrible feeling. But for once, I had the assurance of something that was real. And he, he puts his arm around me, and he says, Son, 
on the way to school that morning, goes, son, something happened to me. You'll never, ever see a can of beer in my hand so as long as I live. And I didn't completely understand, but what I knew was that in the coming weeks, I'm waking up in the morning and he's got two or three Bibles on the floor. He's kind of like on his knees. And he starts looking for a church. He, he had an experience with Jesus. And right when we thought we, couldn't, we hadn't caught a thing, Jesus showed up just on time. And five years later, he becomes the pastor of a church. You talk about change in my life. Like, I'm going from, like, the cussing, brawling father to, like, you're behind a pulpit now talking about the cross and the blood and, and the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and the mercy of God. And some of you have planted this week. And some of you have sown this week. But I don't think any of us understand the implications and the repercussions of what is the work that you have done today and that you've done this week. And all that Jesus is saying to you is would you go deeper? Would you go deeper? Would you not give up? Would you keep believing? Would you keep praying? Would you keep trusting? Because I really sense that there is something unprecedented about this quiet generation. I don't have any other word to say except to call you a quiet generation. You're, we, we, we live in a loud generation. We live in a Snapchat-filled generation. We live in an Instagram-filled generation. But there's something uniquely humble and quiet about your generation. There is a desire for the authentic and there is a desire for what's real. And Jesus is looking to raise you to a level that says, I don't care if it made my Insta story. There might not be any signal out in the deeper waters. But all that matters to me is if you say so. The reward of it is my joy, not the insta fame. Are you receiving what I'm saying this today? And I have to remind you that you're significant. Your work is significant. Your prayers are significant. Your sacrifice is significant. Every inch of what you've done is significant. Band, if you could come. And I want some of you still writing. Let me give you 30 seconds to jot down anything that's, that's still coming through your pen. You're the answer to someone's prayer. You seen that uh, You Deserve It song? You deserve it, Jesus. You deserve it, Jesus. Pastor Devin, I don't know if you're watching too, but I have a deep conviction in my heart that war week, if you continue to go deeper, 
will be like it's never been or we've ever seen in the past decades. That people are going to be drawn to this place from surrounding states and that a revolution is coming to Detroit and the Lord will help you. He'll help this team. He'll help the pastors and the coordinators. He'll give the, the abilities and the creativity. The latter days will be greater than the former. There's seed being planted here and it's going to take a little while but the best is yet to come. Pastor David, I know you're sitting right there in your living room. The best is yet to come. Please mark my words. Teenagers, the best is yet to come. I want you to lift your hands today. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are unseen. You're so young and you don't understand the implications the dynamite of what God is producing in you today and in this generation, in this city, you're investing. One day you're going to see Detroit and it's going to be different because of your work. You're going to say, that was my net. That was my net that tore. That was my boat that started to sink because the harvest was so full. Your worship today and this week has been more than a song. Your sleeping on a hard gym floor has risen as an offering before Almighty God. And he says, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I love you, baby. I love you, Mika. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm looking for the, the Bible says in John 4, 23, that the father, he seeks worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's been more than a song. Your life has risen as an incense, as an aroma, as a perfume before the king of glory. And he says, yes, 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 those are my babies. Yes, those are my future men and women of God. Would you stand now in reverence before God and receive his smile, receive his, his joy, receive his love, receive it in this place. Thank you for listening to this special podcast from War Week 2017.